0: Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Linda, thank you so much for joining me again on the Minimalist Moms Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Diane. I'm excited to be back. I am really happy to have you back. And it's funny, I think about you, (laughs) this is probably weird, but I bet a lot of people think about you, but the no such thing as bad weather. I think about that all the time. And I'm like, oh, thanks, Linda. Thanks for writing that book. (laughs) I think about it on the regular, whenever it's too hot or it's raining or it's too cold, all the things I am like, thank you for writing that book. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's that inside, that inner voice that I talk about in the book too, that I'm hoping that my kids will have as they get older too. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when you grow up hearing that, um, all the time, then I think you internalize it. And, um, so it's great to hear that some of the readers of the book are doing it too. Cause I think we, as a society kind of, um, gone away from from that notion that you really you can be outside and in most types of weather I I should say there are obviously exceptions and and we've gotten we've gotten so comfortable with our climate controlled uh, environments and our, our climate controlled existence that we kind of forget that kids grow up people live in in all kinds of climates and, and weather and are and outside. And, and I think uh, we could definitely benefit from from doing a little more of that. So absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, and I was going to have you reintroduce yourselves for the listeners that hadn't heard that first conversation. We are talking about your book. But yeah, why don't you just go ahead, briefly introduce yourself. Um, I'll make sure to connect our original episode in the show notes. And then I always ask if people consider themselves minimalists. So maybe just share a little bit more about that as well before we get into our conversation.
1: Yeah, so yeah, I am a writer and author of There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather, as you mentioned, and now I have a new book out called The Open Air Life, Discover the Nordic Art of to sleep and Embrace Nature Every Day. I'm also a mom of two girls. We lived in, or I've lived in the U.S. for 15 years, but I'm now back in Sweden, which is where I was born and raised. And uh, I definitely consider myself a minimalist and I think minimalism and which we'll talk more about definitely have a lot of overlap. And I'd say I'm a minimalist for two main reasons. First one being for the environment, the sake of the environment and the fact that we have finite resources and, you know, an increasing fragile situation with, with all the environmental challenges. And the second one, the second reason is for my mental health. I find that clutter really gives me brain fatigue. So, uh, yeah, so those are the two two main reasons, I'd say, why um, I'm a minimalist.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I would say, I'm trying to remember what book it was that I read. Nordic culture in general seems to uh, live with less maybe than Americans as a generalization. Yeah. as a generalization. Yeah, as a
1: generalization, I think you're right in terms of the sizes of our house. I think even when income goes up, people don't necessarily, but yeah, they might build slightly larger houses but I think if you look at like the average square footage or whatever I think we do live a little smaller here and also I think the design is very influenced by these minimalist ideas everything is very um sort of simplistic and very a lot of just like clean very clean I think a lot of people associate Scandinavian design with those traits Mm -hmm. um and the sort of light light colors and very sort of soothing, soothing environments. And I think part of it is too, that, you know, we do try to bring nature inside as well with like plants and and, and things mm-hmm. like that.
0: Yeah. I, I really love it. I definitely tend to find myself drifting to that Uh, style, but I Mm want to talk about your first book really touched on why we should spend more time outside. So before we get into this new book that you've written, I just wanted you to give a brief encouragement of why it's so important Mm -hmm. for why, and then maybe how people should spend more time outside. And then we'll get into the word. I want to not butcher it (laughs) The word that it's fruit leaf. Is that how you say it?
1: Uh yeah, you, that's pretty close. Okay. Uh,
0: and and don't worry, you're in good
1: company. Everybody worries about butchering th- this word. Uh-huh. Uh but yeah, slave. free love sleeve.
0: Free So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, I'll let you continue to be the one that says that. But just <laughs> yeah, just a brief encouragement, yeah. why and how should people spend more yeah. time outside? Why is it important?
1: Yeah, so I think the short answer here really is that it's good for us, um, and I, you know, we evolved in nature, we evolved outside, uh, and that's why we are actually naturally just drawn to green spaces and blue spaces, they are life-giving to us. Um, so there's a, you know, definitely just a, like an evolutionary uh, reason for that, it's our home, Um And I think a lot of people can feel that, you know, when they're outside and and, um, that they're feeling good. But I think uh, in the past few decades, the research has also started to catch up and we can, you know, the research has now documented how that, how it actually benefits our physical and mental health. And uh, uh, for example, I know there are studies showing that it's more, uh, more effective than antidepressants in terms of improving mood and, and reducing anxiety and, and, uh, depression. And, uh, and then there are also, uh, you know, physical effects like that are also measurable, like our, uh, blood pressure goes down outside, um, uh, our, uh, Uh, Stress levels go down, our cortisol uh, production, which is related to stress. Um, And, uh, you know, we get vitamin D, which is crucial to our immune system and and all kinds of functions in our our bodies. So um, just walking outside has so many physical benefits, like reducing the risk of type 2 diabetes and obesity and heart disease and several types of cancer as well mortality in, uh, in general can, you know, is reduced by, by being outside. So, so yeah, I think, I think we can feel it instinctively, but now the research has also started to catch up and, and showing us that it is yeah. better for our health.
0: Absolutely. I'm so glad that people are doing more research in this area. And I just like to look to the past at the way people live. I speak in generalizations when I say this, but I do think that curated lives that looked a little bit more like the past in that way that we Mm. would be better off. I don't think we, I don't think progress with technology is necessarily the best thing that's happened again, speaking generally, there's wonderful things with progress, but in certain regards, I do think it makes us a less joyful mentally healthy society. Yeah, I agree. And I think it was
1: very obvious during the pandemic when some places were uh, had these uh, lockdowns, like these really restrictive lockdowns, when you couldn't even leave your home. And I mean, just seeing the mental health health toll that it took. I and and the research is starting to come out on that too. And and um, I saw one study showing that people who were were on lockdowns uh, had a 50% higher risk of having mental health issues after the pandemic. So it was just a perfect storm of of uh, all kinds of uh factors but it sure. it really showed how harmful it can be to to uh for us to not to be out there in nature
0: mhm mhm if there's any bright side of what happened during that period of time it was that awareness of how important nature was to us and i think it really did not to sound like a like i just feel so repetitive with what i speak about yeah. times but a lot of us changed our perspectives and even our lifestyles after that was that all happened. So I now yeah. want to talk about the word. I'm gonna allow you to say it, the F word, yeah. the good F word. What
1: is <laughs> yeah, the good F word. That's a good way of putting it. Free yeah. free lift sleeve.
0: Okay, so um. what is, what is this?
1: Yeah, so I actually use the word uh, or the term uh, open air life in my book for this very reason. I don't want people to get hung up on the word and thinking that, oh, man, there's no way I'm going to remember that or be able to say that. So we can stick with like open air life or um, but just like um, Hige, which I'm sure you're familiar with, which is this was was this big craze uh and still is i suppose um it doesn't really have a literal translation in english but um i suppose you could compare it with outdoor recreation but there are some some uh, fundamental differences and for one it's a like a whole you know it's a whole lifestyle and um Uh, And the kind of a philosophy that revolves around spending time in nature, you know, as much time as possible in, in not, not just in nature, but also in the cultural landscape, um, for mental and and physical wellness. And, um, as opposed to outdoor recreation, then, which could, in that could include, you know, outdoor sports or, um, you know, like motorized activities like boat riding or, um. uh, ATVs and things like that. Uh, free le sleeve is like non-competitive, um, non-motorized, and it's very much uh, founded on the idea that you you utilize like your nearby nature areas. It's all about finding nature in everyday life. So whatever nature that you have that you can find like near 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 your home, um, and it's typically pretty inexpensive as well. You don't need a bunch of gear. Like obviously, as with anything, like if you really get into camping or something like that, um, you can end up spending a lot of money. But compared with a lot of other um, activities, it is pretty inexpensive, um, and it also comes with a strong environmental awareness. Um, that's a, an integral part of it as well. So it can be, you know, anything from like walking around your neighborhood to like hiking. Um, hiking and camping, uh, in the mountains or wherever, Mm -hmm. uh, foraging for wild edibles, like swimming, uh, ice skating, uh, cross-country skiing, kayaking, um, all kinds of activities that, um, that are outside. Um, but really the important thing is to connect with nature. So it's not what you do, um, that is the most important. It's the fact that you, sort of have this deeper connection with nature. And yeah. yeah, you can do it both in the city and in a rural area.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my next question for you because a lot of the area that you're talking about for Nordics, you have a lot of land with a smaller population and we live a little bit more we have more of a condensed lifestyle here and yeah, I look at just the, the plots of lands that our home that our homes are on and it's it is hard mm. to feel maybe as Open or that we have the access to open air and, and um, I don't know, just nature in general. I, I would say that it's yeah. probably harder for some people. So, what's your encouragement there? And you gave us some tips on how to use this in our daily lives. But, yeah, what are your tips to people that maybe feel like they they live in the big city? It's not going to happen. Right, right.
1: So, I think a big part of free Loose Leave is to, uh, rethink the way we, we look at nature. Um, because obviously, so, so the, the image that usually comes to mind is, uh, wilderness, right. Which in the U S is that, I mean, we, you got, we got tons of that, but most of that is out West and it's not exactly accessible to people on a daily basis. Right. Um, a lot of people do live in cities and, um, this is where city planning in, comes into play, where um, uh, your green spaces become really important, and a lot of a lot of cities do have parks and 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 places where you can go. Um, so it doesn't have to be like super wild nature. Even in the cities, you can see nature uh it's everywhere around us even in like the rain that falls on our cheeks when we're out experiencing rainy weather uh it's in the wind that you know um ruffle ruffles the uh, leaves in the trees and it's it's about owning like honing our ability to see nature everywhere around us and, and feeling like we're a part of it so so definitely like utilizing uh, green spaces in the city as well. Um, and uh, and I get that not everybody has that sort of perfect, um, perfect place or might not feel like they do, but my advice is always to, to start where you are and um, use what you have and do what you can, which is, it's actually uh, Arthur Ashe, uh, an Arthur Ashe quote, and he was talking about tennis, but, I um I think it can be applied to free lift sleeve as well. So
0: thinking, sorry yeah. to cut you off, but I'm thinking even in New York City, I love mm-hmm. when we're dining outside, which I know yes. that really did during the pandemic that people had to go outside to eat there. But right. something as simple as that. I when I work from coffee houses, I mean I was out there. On Friday. And I want to say mm-hmm. it was in the low 50s, high 40s. And I just I was bundled up. I had my hot coffee and it just felt so good. Yes. To, to be outside, yeah. to breathe in that fresh air first thing in the yeah. morning. And yeah, it, it it there is a difference. There is a yeah. notable difference. And, yes. And even something as simple as that.
1: Right. And that's why Flee Sleeve emphasizes it's about being outside in the natural and cultural landscape. The cultural landscape then being man-made elements as well um so and this is like i mentioned with the city planning i think as more and more people start to appreciate this outdoor lifestyle i think cities are really going to have incentives to uh to create the kind of environment that people want to be in like a city you know cities with bike lanes and uh urban trails and um uh, green rooftops and and things like that, that really bring nature into the cities. So, but you know, the first step is just getting
0: out there and then
1: you can can take it from there.
0: It's funny. I was, um, I am a photographer, so I had a shoot last night in the neighborhood that I went to. It's a newer neighborhood they're building in there right now. And the the phrase of the neighborhood was live with nature. So, I mean, I think that people are, I don't want to say it's trendy. I just think people mm-hmm. are starting to recognize that this is what yeah. people want, even if they're living closer to the city that they want to be near nature. There's something about yeah. it at the end of a long work day. Like you yeah. want to have that access to nature. right? Excess, access, access, access yeah. to nature <laughs> is so important.
1: And then, but then it's also worth mentioning that, you know, the wilder a place is, uh, the more restorative it will be as well. I mean, it it is important to get away from the city as well uh, sometimes, but it might not, obviously it's not something that you can probably do on a daily basis, but if you can do it every once in a while, you know, that's worth a lot too. But uh, I just, you mentioned New York City and I've been there a couple of times and I love Central Park, and also the last time I was there, I visited. Um, I walked along the High Line, and I loved it. I, I really loved how um, how it made me feel like I was in a uh, in a different place. Almost, it was like you know, both the elevation. Like it, I felt like I was literally closer to the stars, and then all the the native plants uh, along the. The trail. I thought it was really, really fantastic. A fantastic example of what, what can happen when, when organizations and volunteers in, in the city really um, put their uh, uh, minds together. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that makes me think we have an area close to us, and a lot of the buildings are just empty that no businesses have, have taken over those spaces. And I'm like, we should just knock down all of these things and just <laughs> plant some grass, replant. Yeah. And I mean, in five to 10 years, this could be a totally different space that is usable. And it's just not ugly with all these old worn out building. I don't know. It just, I'm like, if they're going to remain empty, what is the point? This is just an eyesore. I think, I
1: mean, a few years ago, I felt like there was a bit of a a movement going on for like pocket parks, creating like small, like utilizing small um, empty spaces in cities. I'm not sure where that's at right now, but I know that there, there has
0: been um, a bit of a movement for that. That's a good idea to maybe take Mm -hmm. that to a city council, like a local city council. That's a great idea. Today's episode is sponsored by mylifeinabook.com. This is probably the most thoughtful gift I've ever come across for parents or grandparents for the winter holidays as families get together to celebrate. It's basically a very powerful way to connect emotionally with them, preserve the most precious memories, and show them that you really care. And best of all, it's an instantaneous gift. I've tried it with my mother and she totally loved it. Every week, mylifeinabook.com lets you choose from a list of thought-provoking questions or even write your own that gets sent to your relative by email. Your relative writes their answer and you can choose to add a meaningful picture. This happens every week and at the end of one year, all their stories get combined in a beautiful keepsake book that you can store your relative's memories forever and pass them on to future generations, which is printed and sent to you. You can request as many copies as you want and even get it in audio format as well. With mylifeinabook.com, you can give those you love most a personal gift that tells them they're meaningful to you in all future generations. To save $10 off your first purchase, use discount code MINIMALIST. That's MINIMALIST to get $10 off mylifeinabook.com. Check out the link in the show notes for more. So throughout your experience living in Sweden. And even when you were back here in Indiana, you have learned some skills and you talk about a lot of those in your new book. And so I just wanted you to, as we kind of wrap up this conversation, leave listeners with some of your top skills that you learned, or maybe what would be most beneficial for them going into nature. I know that on this list, you have, uh, you said picking mushrooms or edible berries. And I got into that over the last year and it's, that is so much fun, but what is your suggestion there?
1: My suggestion would be to start with the with the skills. Well, first of all, look at what your interests are. What what are you what do you feel passionate about? Like I started foraging for mushrooms just a few years ago. I, I and before that I, I wasn't really into it at all, but all of a sudden, you know, I, I just had a passion for that. But but the second thing is I recommend that people learn some of the some of the basic survival skills because they are also important in filesleve. Um so like making, how to make a good fire, how to, you know, purify water, if you're going to be out camping and things like that, how to build, I mean, you don't have to build your own shelter, but just when you're out camping, you actually utilize a lot of basic survival skills that are good in any situation. And I don't know, It I think it might feel a little more fragile here in Europe right now, just because of the vicinity to Russia and everything. But we are really in a situation where our government is telling us to, to really be prepared for, you know, whatever. And I think it's a good idea wherever you live, because we all, we're also seeing natural disasters in a lot of places. And if you know, some of these basic free lip, free lip skills, you're also going to be very like well-prepared for, um, for something like that, if that happens. So, yeah, like I said, you know, making fire, purify water, um, Foraging is fun too, um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's in a survival situation. It's more important to actually bring or or to have enough food with you uh, than, than foraging. You usually can't rely on foraging alone uh, in like in a survival situation, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. Any skills, uh, you know, uh, that have to do with backpacking or or camping, I I think um,
0: are a good place to start. I don't want to share the name here. (laughs) I can't decide if I want to share the name on my podcast just because I don't want this guy to get overrun and then I'm never going to be able to get into him again. I took a survival course here in Columbus. I know that there are a handful here, but this man taught me and a few of my female friends how to start fire, how to build a shelter, like in, if you're in dire need. Yeah. He said to use the cattails that grow along ponds are a really great uh-huh. way to have a, what is it called? A torch and yeah. dip them in sap from a tree. You can do yes. that and it'll, yes. it'll last for, I can't remember how long he said it will last, but quite yeah. some time. And I'm trying to think of the last thing he taught us. Oh, just how to make rope with, again, I can't remember. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. it's, it's been so helpful for yeah, me. Like or yeah, like straws, grass straws. Straw, or like, yeah. Hey, yeah, grass straws. Yeah. And obviously these are things that you're going to have to forage for, but just some of these yeah. basic little skills, I'm, I mean- that is life-saving. Everyone yeah. should have some of these basic skills. I mean, I feel like again, looking to the past, we used to learn these things in school, and now yeah. we have the grocery store taken away, or if yeah. if things got really dire.
1: I think people are more prepared now uh, than we used to be, um, and also, like I said, natural disasters and, and things like that. So definitely always a good, um, good thing to always be prepared. The the old, the old scout saying it uh, holds true, Mm -hmm. be prepared. Uh, And the thing is too, I find it very empowering. Um, So I think it's fun for that reason. I don't necessarily do it like thinking of disaster because (laughs) because I feel like that kind of ruins the nature experience a little bit maybe, but in the back of my head, I know that these are good things to, to uh, good skills to have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When I was there, I purchased the book 101 skills. You need to survive in the woods and it's by Mm -hmm. author Kevin Estella. So I'll link that in the show notes and that it's helpful too, just for some basic ideas. If you don't have uh, the ability to go take a class, but I do highly recommend, I'm going to share his name just because he was such a wonderful man. His name is Kevin of the Tao Wadi nature school. And that's out in, I think the canal Winchester area of Columbus. So for anyone listening yeah. to local, it's, I highly recommend him. He was fabulous and really knowledgeable. Well, do you have anything else that you wanted to share of why we would want to pick up a copy of your new book? I think my book is a
1: uh, perfect. You mentioned my first book was kind of a, a manifesto for why we should get outside, um, and I think this book gives uh, you know some some practical tips and inspiration for that um, as well as well as some of the whys, but also definitely some hows. So uh, I hope it, it will be um, uh,
0: inspirational. It, it's
1: uh, makes a great Christmas gift as well.
0: Yeah, especially as we're starting to again get some ideas of how we want to I'm not necessarily all about new year's resolutions, but I definitely think yeah. it's a good time of year to reflect and what we want to do differently. So Right. Yeah, well yeah. where they where can they buy a copy of this new book if they want to do so and connect with you online?
1: Yeah, sure. So the book is available, I think just about any place that sells books online uh amazon for sure uh bookshop.org um and also some physical bookstores and uh if you want to see more behind the scenes activity from my life then instagram or facebook uh, are the best places to go i go under the handle rain or shine mama with two m's mm-hmm. and i also have a blog called rain or shine where rain uh, share some tips and tricks for, uh, open air life and, uh, getting outside with kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it was you that went camping in the snow. I, I yeah. feel like it wasn't too long ago. And you
1: can hear <laughs> yeah, it. that was, that was, uh, yeah, that was last winter. Yeah. I, I, did, I did a challenge to sleep outside for at least one night every month of the year. Uh-huh. And that was one, uh, it was a fun way to to challenge myself. Uh, it was my first time and, and it was actually, uh, it was a lot better than I
0: expected. So I'm doing it again this year. Yes. That yeah. is such a great idea. I'm like, maybe when my kids are all over the age of 10, I'll go and do that. that is such <laughs> a great, that's a great goal to have for sure. Yes. Linda, as we wrap up this conversation, I'm going to ask you quickly the two questions I ask every guest, and this is more quick fire questions. But the first one is what has been a beneficial resource to you that you'd like to share with the listeners? So
1: I want to share the book I'm reading right now, which is uh, "Our Wild Calling" by Richard Lube. Uh, he's been an inspiration from uh, yeah from day one that I started blogging, um, and this book is all about our relationship with uh, with animals, uh, and uh, it's just a really cool book with uh, some fresh perspectives. And also a shout out to. 1000 hours outside which we've been talking a lot about in our family uh, lately I have an 11 year old and a 14 year old now so getting them motivated to go outside is sort of we're going into a different phase right now it's not I can't just be like well let's go outside and play because they're they're older and they they need a little more um, they, they want to get challenged. So
0: yeah, yeah. So for
1: next year, we're going to do, um, this challenge to, to be outside for a thousand hours. And I, I think it's going to be
0: great. I'm, I'm just excited that they were, they were really into it. So I love Jenny and the movement she started there. That's yeah. it's so simple, but yeah, her encouragement is really benefited my life as well. So she's yeah. a great resource. All right. My last question is what is something that you can't stop talking about?
1: So, yeah, I mentioned it already, but like foraging right now, it's fall here and uh, the woods are just full of mushrooms. So, so that is my latest obsession. Like I even started eating mushrooms. I didn't even, yeah, I didn't even eat mushrooms before, but now (laughs) it's like... Um, I can't stop looking for them, so I'll try. I'll go out for a walk, and then all of a sudden, I'll just like, <laughs> yeah, veer off into the woods because I I've got my mushroom radar on, and uh, it's so much fun, like learning new varieties. And uh, I I posted a reel about it on my Instagram the other day, and I got such great response. And I see there are so many people who want to do this, but they're worried about the toxicity of some of the species and So I want to like encourage people to, to learn more about it and really, you know, it can definitely be done safely. You just need, once again, it's those basic skills. It's, it's a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, what's your best tip for not picking something (laughs) that's poisonous.
1: Yeah. So my number one is, th- is to go with somebody who is experienced. Um, that's my first choice. Uh, it's always best to learn uh, firsthand from from somebody. But if you don't know anybody that forages for mushrooms, then I would go online, maybe join a forum. There are tons of, you know, like uh, for- online forums for this. Mm-hmm. And I would start with just one or two species that are easy to recognize and don't have, uh, that, that, that don't easily get mixed up with, yes. uh, toxic species because there are, there are several varieties that are very, very hard to mix up.
0: So yes. chicken um, of the woods. Do you guys have yeah. that one that grows there?
1: You know, I'm going to have to Google that because I don't know what that one's called in Swedish. Okay. And I don't know. we I don't, remember seeing it and or hearing about it in indiana it was all about morals
0: there okay gotcha yeah this is like a stacked orange mushroom that last fall, we were with someone that really knew what she was doing. And she Um. found it, we came home, we washed it off and whatnot. And then we deep fried it and it tastes like chicken. Actually, it kind of reminded me afterwards because I was just thinking about, I don't know, it was like a weird texture thing, but it was a really cool experience.
1: (laughs) And then it is yeah. yeah.
0: And then I lastly wanted to shout out in Columbus, there's a lady named her Instagram handle is at black forager. And she is constantly putting out information of she lives in the city and she is able to forage all throughout her city. And it's really, really cool. She has great videos and wow. encouragement on there. So that's at Blackboard. Yeah. I highly recommend that as a resource as well. Yeah. Sounds like a good, good place to start. Yeah. Well, Linda, thank you again for joining me. I really appreciate, like I said, your books that you're writing. It is an inspiration to so many of us, so many of us moms too, Mm -hmm. just feeling like we can't get outside. And I just really appreciate that you've taken the time to investigate all this and research and, and write these. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me on. What did you think of the episode? If you enjoyed this conversation, I want to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review is the best way you can help this podcast continue to succeed and grow. Again, thank you to everyone who supports The Minimalist Moms by listening, leaving those rating and reviews, or following along on social media at Minimalist Moms Podcast. As always, I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com, and there you can find links to the Instagram account, my Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.